Suddenly there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with them. Then Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, suddenly a bright cloud overshadowed them. And from the cloud, a voice said, This is my son, the beloved one. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell to the ground and were overcome by fear. Then Jesus came and touched them, saying, Get up, do not be afraid. And when they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus himself alone. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus ordered them, Tell no one about the vision until after the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. And that's where we're going. All right, so go back to the first part of that section. What's the first thing that you heard? Six days later. Very important. Okay, the way that, the way that a lot of churches do things is we use a thing that's called a lectionary. And it divides up Um, the scripture into a three-year series of readings. So you have an Old Testament reading, you have a psalm, you have a a New Testament reading, and then you have a gospel reading for every Sunday of the year in a three-year cycle. And so, and so basically, a, 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 a lection is just a, is just a section that you take out. So the lectionary is all these little pieces that are pulled out. So anytime you read from the lectionary, you're often jumping into the middle of something. And so anytime you're reading the Bible and it says six days later, you probably ought to go back and see what just happened. Because in general, they're they're making some connection there for you. Any of you Bible scholars know what just happened before that without reading it? Jesus asked the disciples, who do you say that I am? And they say, oh, well, you're Elijah, you're this, you're that. The people say this or that. Well, who do you say that I am, he says. And Peter says, you're the Messiah. You're the anointed one. You're the one who's supposed to come and save Israel. He doesn't say all that, but within the word Christ or Messiah, that's all in there. Because the Jewish people had been waiting for a Messiah to come. Many people believed or hoped that Jesus was the Messiah. They hoped he was coming, you know, to ride in on the white horse and lead an army and get rid of the Romans and and reestablish, you know, the Jewish kingdom and and all of that. And um, Peter says, you're the Messiah, the son of the living God. And, and, um, and Jesus says, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, um, for flesh and blood have not revealed this to you, but my father in heaven. And I tell you, you are Dwayne Johnson. And on this rock, come on, that's funny. Dwayne Johnson, The Rock. Anyway, yeah, whatever, okay. The babysitter, whatever he is. All right. The Tooth Fairy, yeah, anyway. I just think it's funny that Dwayne Johnson makes an appearance here in the Bible, this The Rock, but... Sorry. So you're the Messiah. So, he, so, so Peter like, gets it. He names him. This is one of the first times that, that, that we have someone who, who, who names him explicitly. Um, it's very important for Matthew, because uh, Matthew is writing to primarily a Jewish audience with some Gentiles. But, so he's trying, to, he's trying to sort of say to the Jewish audience, listen, um, wake up and get it. This is our Messiah. 
Um, there's conflict going on between those groups, the Jews and the Gentiles. So he's, he's writing that. Remember, every time a gospel is written, anytime any of these books are written, they're written for somebody or to somebody. So it's helpful to have that context. So he says that. Goes on to a number, a number of other things. And then Jesus starts to saying, say, um, yeah, I'm the Messiah, but I, I've got to go to Jerusalem and I'm going to get killed. So this is completely contrary to what they had expected. Completely contrary to what they expected. Um, just like any president that gets elected, right? They, you make a lot of promises, they get in office, and they've got a whole bureaucracy to deal with. But for Jesus, all the, all, all the expectations, the promises came out of the scripture, but then he, he becomes the Messiah in a very different way. But, they, but they, don't, they don't get it yet. They don't get it yet. They're like, what, 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 what do you mean you're going to go die? You're, Messiah's not supposed to die. That's not in the plan. And then Peter, of course, again, the rock, takes him and says, God forbid it, it must never happen to you. And he turns to Peter and he says, get behind me. You're a stumbling block to me. You're setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. And then Jesus says, if any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it. Those who will lose their life for my sake will, will find it. For what will profit them? They gain the whole world and forfeit their life. So, so this is what's going on. This, is, this has been the messaging, right? And there's a whole, there are tons of sermons in that. I mean, I, we could spend a whole sermon series on just that passage right there, but we got to move on. So six days later, so this is what they've been hearing, and this is, this is new to them. This is new, inform- I mean, this is, this is brand new to them. Here they, are, here they are with the person they think is going to lead them in this, in this whole new way, has been teaching and doing all this stuff, and now, ooh, is this real? Is he just a nut? Like, what's, what's, what's happening here? Six days later, Jesus took with them Peter and James and his brother John. This is also recorded in, in Luke, um, in the Gospel of Luke. And what's interesting is that I always say, and this is it's just interesting habits that you get into when you, when you get used to material, I always say Peter, James, and John. In Luke, it's Peter, John, and James. Don't know if it's significant or not. Just interesting. But when you listen, when you listen, you begin to pick up just interesting things. Um, James and John, or John and James, are called the Sons of Thunder. Another great pro wrestling name. Um, Jesus calls them that, and so you should go look that up somewhere. It's, it's fun. Uh, fun, to, fun to know that. Um, of course, they're, um, they're the Zebedee brothers. They, they're, they're the sons of Zebedee, and they, um, they left... They were fishermen. They left the thing, and so then, okay, so then, so then, what do you notice going on from there? What do you, what, 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 what things did you notice? I need to stop yakking, and I need to. Went up a very high. Mountain. Went up a very high mountain, very high mountain. Yeah, yeah, the mountains. Yeah, if you put the mountains of Israel next to the mountains in Colorado, it's not much. <laughs> Basically, like a big hill. I've been there. I mean, they're cool, you know, but they sort of, they sort of look like gumdrops. You know, they're very, they're not very craggy. They're just sort of, you know, sort of rounded at the top for the most part. The one that I think Jesus went up on, I mean, is not 
it, it's it's not a very high mountain, really. It's interesting. Um, but, I don't think so, but um, I'm sure there's some erosion, but I don't think that much because um, it's, it's not near a body of water, really, or anything like that that's eroding it down. But, I mean, again, all kinds of things can happen in 2,000 years. Okay, went up on a very high mountain. What else? And what do they, what do they, does it say what they're doing up there? Oh, it doesn't. That's interesting. In Luke, it does. It says that they're going up on the mountain to pray. It says they're going up on the mountain to pray. Jesus, Jesus did this very regularly. He went up, often by himself, sometimes with James and John. As you read through his, uh, Jesus' story, um, as it comes time after he's, um, right before he's arrested, he goes to the garden of what? Gethsemane. Good job, Bible scholars. And he's going to pray. And Peter, James, and John are with him, and they're sleepy. In Luke, they're also sleepy as they go up on the mountain. It's, it's, it's so interesting. Um, these disciples, they're so tired all the time in Luke. Yeah, yeah, altitude. Maybe it was altitude. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, anyway, that's good. I like it. Um, okay, so what, so what next? What do you notice? Appearance changed. Transfigured. It's an interesting word. The, the Greek word there is metamorpho-o-o, I think is actually what it is, which is how, they, how you do a verb. But it's the base word for, I bet, I bet you can guess it, metamorphosis. So, it, so in some way for us, metamorphosis is like a big, like, woo, big change. Here, it's, it's, it, he was transfigured before them, but, but, it's, but it's basically like light. Light is shining through him, like Light is shining through him. And then who gets there? Moses and Elijah. Now, now remember, oftentimes the New Testament sings an Old Testament song. Who, Bible scholars, whose face shone when he met with God? Moses. So Jesus now is dazzling white, face is shining. Who does he meet with? The original one. Moses and Elijah. Moses and Elijah represent the law and the prophets. So Moses is, is Moses, the tradition is that Moses wrote Genesis, you know, the, the Pentateuch, the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. Um, we're pretty sure he didn't. Again, that's tradition. But, um, and then Elijah, of course, represents the prophets because he is like the premier one. And Elijah was supposed to come back before the Messiah was to come. That's one of the other prophecies, that Elijah would return before, before the Messiah was to come. So they come there. So, so, then, so, then, uh, so what do you notice about this? Or what's next? Just shout something out. We don't have to go linear. I mean, you can jump in. Peter wants to build a monument. Peter wants to build a monument. He wants to, he wants to, he wants to, he wants to, he, he wants to memorialize it in some way, right? Oftentimes Peter gets a lot of, um, a, a lot of, people give him the business about this. Let's just say that. They give him a hard time, like, oh, well, what is he doing? He wants to, he wants to memorialize this. Well, um, don't we like to memorialize amazing things? Have you ever had an experience where it was just really awesome and so then you're like, oh, I got to go back to that place and you go back to that place and it ain't the same because you're different. Time's passed. Things have happened. 
but he wants to he wants to market somehow, and I think that's a natural. I mean, I, I don't think we ought to necessarily give him the bit. I think that's just that's human. Like when, when things happen, when things are significant, we want to mark them somehow. I mean, when we get when people get married, they exchange rings. You know, we have a we have a service. We 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 mark it. Um, when something significant happens in lots of other people's lives, what do, what do they do on their bodies now? They put a tattoo. Right. And, I, you know, it doesn't matter what you think about that, but it's just they're marking themselves in some permanent way to remember that we it's just it's sort of a natural thing that we that we want to do. So, but take a selfie. Right. Yeah. Here I am with Elvis. Here I am with Elijah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I like it. Yeah, man. Could you imagine if they'd have had? I mean, that's right. Just a bright light. Here I am next to Elijah. Yeah. Oh, man. The sun's in the wrong place. Jesus, would you move, please? I mean, <laughs> shadow is not good. Um, so I'll make three dwellings for you here, one for Moses, one for you for Elijah. I mean, this, it, I mean, and it is relatively significant, though, because, because what's happening here, I think, is that Matthew, as he's telling this story, is, is demonstrating to the people who would be reading this, because, of course, this is written long after this happened, um, to say to the people, hey, um, Jesus takes his place in the midst of the law and the prophets. Like, Jesus is, Jesus is on that level. Because, of course, a lot of people, you know, probably thought he was a charlatan. I mean, he, he got killed. And then they started talking about that he was alive again after he was, after, you know, after the resurrection. And so, I mean, what would you have believed about that? Yeah, right, whatever. Right? I'll make three drawings, one for you, uh, one for Moses, one for Elijah. Move on. What's, what's next? What happens? God speaks. God speaks, but first, the cloud comes, right? Again, New Testament sings an Old Testament song. The cloud comes over the mountain. When Moses is up there meeting with God, he comes down and his face is shining. So just, again, the cloud represents the presence of God, um, and then a bright cloud overshadowed them, and from, the, and, and from the, the, the cloud a voice comes, This is my son, the beloved one, or my beloved. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. Does this remind you of any other, any other place in the Bible? Baptism, exactly. When Jesus is baptized in, in one of the Gospels, you know, the, the cloud comes, or the dove comes, but the cloud comes, and you hear this voice, This is my, this is my beloved Son with whom I'm well pleased. So again, it's it's this it's this relationship. Um, in one of the in in one of the um, in one of the translations, it's really interesting. It says, "This is my son, whom I have chosen. Whom I have chosen." It's really interesting language to me, because of course what we at least what Christians say we believe, is that Jesus is there in the beginning, right? That Jesus is part of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. In that translation, it's, it's, it, it feels a little different. I don't know what to do with it, but I just think it's interesting. It's interesting. All right, so then, what, what do you notice? They fall to the ground. Why would they do that? Scared, but also, what is it? Fear, but, but what kind of fear? Not, not necessarily just afraid, but 
Reverence, right. That's the proper position when God shows up. <laughs> in the Old Testament, again, we're singing an Old Testament song. Jewish people would fall to their face. That's, that's, if they were come, you know, come into contact with God, they think they're in a holy, but they would, they would, they would fall down to worship God. Um, and so, yes, fear, probably afraid, because they're like, what? Because if you see, because generally, you know, if, if, if you meet God, you're dead. That's, that's, sort of, that's sort of how it goes. Um, especially, you know, that's, that's, that's what they felt like. You, you come face to face with God, you're, you're done. Um, so they, they fell to the ground. They were overcome by fear. Jesus got, came and touched them and said, get up and do not be afraid. Um, and, and who usually says that? Angels. It's interesting. I, I, one thing I would love to dig into and I didn't, um, and so you can dig into it, is, is this, is this the only time when Jesus says that? That would be very interesting to me. Because usually it's angels who come when, when, when they're getting it. They, they come and the first thing they say is, you know, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Okay, what, what's next? What's next? This very interesting thing happens, I think. What's that? Right, they disappear, right? So they're gone. All of a sudden, like, this, the scene clears up. Sort of the transfiguration is over. Right. They're, as they're coming down the mountain, he says, don't tell anybody. This echoes Mark, the Gospel of Mark. And in the Gospel of Mark, it's called the Messianic Secret. Some people call it the Messianic Mystery. Basically, scholars just love to play with uh, alliteration. Um, but, but in the Gospel of Mark, at all kinds of points, Jesus, Jesus says, you know, don't, go, don't tell anybody. Don't tell anybody. Don't tell anybody. Well, with most people, if I say to you, Tom, don't tell anybody, what do you want to go right and do? Text it. Text it, baby. I'm taking a selfie. Joel just told me. I'm Facebook Live. Joel just told me not to tell anybody, but. Right? I mean, it's, it, it's interesting. I don't know if that's what's happening. I just, I just find a human nature, right? I just find it very interesting. And then, but Jesus says, you know, and of course, God has just said, listen to him. So... You know, I mean, but it's, but it's, you know, tell no one about this vision until after the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. And I, I find that very interesting because a lot of people will be like, this didn't happen. Right? They want to turn this into fact, like we would say verifiable fact. Like, like Moses and Elijah showed up, they're there in physical form, all this sort of thing. Jesus says, don't tell people about this vision. You've seen something. You've been given insight into something. But don't tell anybody until after the Son of Man, referring to himself, has been raised from the dead. And then the disciples move on from there. I do this a little bit just because it's interesting to just slow down and listen to individual lines in the scripture. And to just see what's going on there. See, see what you notice. It's great also then to put it up next to um, another passage of scripture. Like just you know, Google the transfiguration and it'll pull up the Matthew and the Luke and, and that. And you can put them side by side and, and you can look at them. It's just really interesting to begin to, to, begin to, to look at that. 
There's a lot of noise in our world today. I mean, it used to be I had a phone at my house and I had a phone in my office. That's where people could reach me. Now, I got a phone in my pocket and I have email, I have text, I have Facebook Messenger, um, I have Twitter, I have um, God knows what else. Snapchat. Snapchat. I still haven't figured out the Snapchat. I, I, don't, I don't get it. I look like a dog enough without putting some dog thing on me and, you know, whatever. It's fun. I mean, I, I, wish, I, I wish I could get it. It looks like a lot of fun, but, I, you know, whatever. It's all good. If all you Snapchatters out there, I love you. Great. It's awesome. Um, it's just, you know. But we have, all the, we have all this stuff just coming at us, 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 coming at us. And it gets easy, I'm going to speak personally, to get carried away on the wave of all that noise. And to, not, and to sort of get unmoored from any sort of real direction. Because, you know, if you got this, this person who you follow is telling you to do this over here, and this person who you follow is telling you this over here, and you got your mom over here telling you to do this, and your dad over here telling you to do this, and your wife over here telling you to do this, and your husband over here telling you to do this, and your girlfriend over here telling you to do this, and your boyfriend over here telling you to do this. I mean, it just gets real confusing. But for those of us who have had an experience with Jesus, the message is relatively clear from God. This is my beloved son. Listen to him. That first and foremost, we are to listen to the one who gave his life that we might see a new way of life. That we might know that we don't have to make ourselves perfect in order to be acceptable to God, that we are already acceptable to God. And when we find that out, when we discover that, then we can move forward in the way of God. We can forgive ourselves. We can forgive others. We can move forward. We can enter the struggle of relationships with each other and with family. We can, we can deal with the tragedies of life because we're listening to the one who is life. And so I just want to encourage you Whatever way you can, find ways to listen for God. Whatever makes sense for you. Use the technology to listen for God. There are some wonderful things that can speak into your life that you can find online. But nothing can really replace just some good, quiet, reflective time. And God might be silent. In my life, God has not spoken with a shout or out of a crowd, a cloud, or out of a crowd for that matter. God has been very quiet. And I have to listen very 
closely in order to hear. But when I do, when I do, there's something that comes over me that I can't explain. And that's what I wish for you. And so today I encourage you to listen. 